Everybody, what is going on? You know what time it is. You're listening to Join the Journey podcast with your host, Emma Daughter. Thanks for joining podcast friends. Once again, I am not Emma Daughter, but I am Wes Butler, and I'm excited to sub in one more time for today's podcast episode. Uh, This episode is being released on September 5th, which happens to be my oldest son's 19th birthday. So happy birthday, Josiah. And also happy Labor Day to the rest of you. Hope you're enjoying the day. Uh, We're in Luke 11 today, and we are really going to focus in on the first 13 verses. As we do, I want to ask you to reflect for a second on this. Who taught you to pray? And what did you learn from what they taught you? Maybe your background was similar to mine growing up in a strong Christian home, praying every night before bed and before meals and going to prayer meetings, maybe on Wednesday nights. Or maybe the prayers you were exposed to growing up were more like nursery rhymes or songs that you said ritualistically at different points in the day. Could be that your attitudes about prayer were shaped by cynical family members or friends who made jokes about people who prayed or about prayer in general. I'll never forget as a child, my grandfather, who did not have a relationship with the Lord, praying before a meal, over the teeth, past the gums, look out stomach, here it comes. Amen. And then smirking to let us know how ridiculous he thought it was that we actually thought we were talking to God. Well, regardless of your experience with prayer growing up, the reality is this, that that all of us have a view of prayer that likely needs correction or at the very least redirection. Uh, We all learned our prayer habits and attitudes from flawed people. Uh, Now, wouldn't it be great if we could just ask Jesus, will you teach us to pray? Well, apparently Luke thought it would be helpful and he preserved Jesus' response for us. So let's take a look. Luke 11, one through four, we read this. Now, Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. Now, aren't we really glad that that disciple asked that question because now we're set up to lean in and listen. So let's listen. Jesus said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation. Now, the traditional form of what you probably know as the Lord's Prayer is preserved for us by Matthew in in his gospel account, but this was Luke's account of it. And while many faith traditions and even secular traditions from sports teams to theater groups to civic organizations have adopted the recitation of that prayer into their gatherings, I don't believe that was Jesus's goal. The unfortunate side effect of the Lord's Prayer being repetitively spoken in all of these places is it breeds a familiarity with the words that cause us to miss the heart of what prayer is and how it should be deployed. Jesus was absolutely not teaching his disciples to pray this exact prayer every time they prayed. Uh, We know this because we have plenty of other prayers of Jesus preserved for us in places like John 17, where Jesus prayed a lot more words and definitely different words than these. In teaching his disciples to pray, he was offering them an instructional outline, I believe, to help them in their conversations with the Father. This particular prayer, I think, can be broken down into five W's that can be helpful and instructive in organizing our prayers. And I want to share those with you today as I pray that it will be helpful to you as you think about your own prayer life. Those five W's are this, worship, will, worries, wounds, and war. Let me walk through those. First is worship. Uh, All prayer is first and foremost an acknowledgement that that we need something or someone greater than ourselves to get through this life. Our faith tells us who that someone is, the holy, hallowed God who is our Father. 
Hallowed or holy is just a reminder that our Father is totally other than us or anyone else in the universe. Jesus gives his disciples instruction to express our worship and adoration of who we know God to be through the revelation of his word. So first is worship. Second is will. When Jesus says, your kingdom come, he is teaching us that our prayers are not first and foremost an attempt to get our will done, but rather a plea to the Father that his will and his reign are best. This is a statement of our submission or surrender to his will above our own, a posture that as we come to pray, we want to take in response to this Holy Father that we are speaking to. So the second one is will. And then third, we take our worries to the Father. Jesus gives us permission and even encouragement to let God know what our needs are, what we are anxious about, not from a heart of complaint or grumbling, but from a place of faith, acknowledging that he alone can meet our every need. It has been said that prayer and worry take the same amount of energy, but only one accomplishes anything. And by taking our worries and needs to the Father, we have the opportunity to be reminded and comforted by the reality that he will supply our daily bread. Fourth, Jesus teaches us to address our wounds. When we pray, Father, forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone indebted to us, we're taking time to admit and confess that the ways that our sins have wounded our relationship with our Holy Father and to remind ourselves how much we need his grace to forgive us. But it doesn't stop there. By reminding ourselves of our need for grace, we also have the ability to address the wounds that mark our earthly relationships and extend that same forgiveness based on the forgiveness that we've received. And then lastly, Jesus teaches us to go to war. Lead us not into temptation, he says. He says that so that we understand that there are desires inside of us and influences outside of us that are fighting for the throne of our heart. We are at war. Prayer is essentially artillery for the fight we are in day in and day out. Are these the ideas and aims and motives of prayer that that you've been taught in your journey with Jesus? I know that I personally have to remind myself repeatedly of the value of prayer as well as the aim of prayer. Otherwise, it is either neglected in my life or it is turned into a selfishly motivated wish list that fails to acknowledge who I am speaking to. A few decades ago, John Piper said this in a sermon on prayer that I think is worth sharing with this. It's a little bit of a lengthy quote, but stay with me here. He says this, Probably the number one reason why prayer malfunctions in the hands of believers is that we try to turn a wartime walkie-talkie into a domestic intercom. Until you know that life is war, you cannot know what prayer is for. Prayer is for the accomplishment of a wartime mission. Our field commander, Jesus, called in the troops, gave them a crucial mission, go and bear fruit. He handed each of them a personal transmitter code to the frequency of the general's headquarters, and he said, Comrades, the general has a mission for you. He aims to see it accomplished, and to that end, he has authorized me to give each of you personal access to him through these transmitters. If you stay true to his mission and seek his victory first, he will always be as close as your transmitter, to give tactical advice and to send air cover when you need it. But what have millions of Christians done? We have stopped believing that we are in a war. There's no urgency, no watching, no vigilance, no strategic planning, just easy peace and prosperity. And what did we do with the walkie-talkie? We have tried to rig it up as an intercom in our houses and cabins and our boats and our cars, not to call in firepower for conflict with a mortal enemy, but to ask for more comforts and cushions in the den. 
If we follow Jesus, it will lead us into severe conflict with evil. It will mean war. Evil will surround us and attack us, but God has given us a transmitter. If we go to sleep, it will do us no good. But if we are alert, as Jesus says, and call for help in the conflict, the help will come and the commander will not let his faithful soldiers be denied their crown of victory before the Son of Man. We cannot know what prayer is for until we know that life is war. Isn't that a great quote? Well, what should we do with this today then? Well, I think it's real simple, friends. Pray. Wherever you are, whatever you're doing right now, will, will you take some time to pray? Now, maybe you need to pray and ask God to forgive you for how you've neglected or misused prayer. All of us have, and yet God's not angry with you. He's actually eager to talk with us. He does that because he loves us and, and he wants an intimate relationship with us. He's not a cranky neighbor who's tired of being bothered, as Jesus describes in verses 5 through 13. Rather, he is a good father who loves to give good gifts to his children. And amazingly, look at what Jesus says in verse 13 is the gift he loves to give most. If you then who are evil, thanks Jesus, uh, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Did you catch it? God wants to give us more of himself, more of his presence, more of his power. What an amazing reality. What an amazing gift. So friends, thank you so much for listening. And as always, wherever you are on your journey of faith today, we're so glad we're making that journey together. Hey, we want to thank you for listening and we hope you enjoyed the episode. Did you know that you can help support Join the Journey by rating and reviewing this podcast? And if you're willing, we'd love it if you subscribe because the more you download, the easier it will be for new friends to find the podcast.